you are blessed, say amen. Amen. We believe the Lord is good. Give me another amen. Amen. All right. Before we take our seats, we are going to share the word of God briefly again. Then we'll continue to pray as I've already begun to pray. Now, before we start, we'll do our usual declaration. Are you ready for that? Yes, sir. Remember, it's what? And it is not? Right, so let's do it confidently from the bottom of our hearts. One, two, let's go. Now I declare. The Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. Now spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It's giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats, and let's continue in the spirit of prayer to learn a few things. Okay, let's open our Bibles again. I think a Bible reading would be good to kick off the book of Psalms. Uh, do we do Hebrew? Let's just do Hebrews chapter 10, same thing. I just feel like reading Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. All right, I'm going to just read um, from verse 1, even though what we want is further down the reading, which is verse 7, but let's just read from verse 1. It says, For the law, since it has only a shadow of the good things to come and not the very form of things, can never, by the same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered? Because the worshippers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have had consciousness of sins. That it was a question. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered? It's a question. Because the worshippers, having been cleansed, would no longer have consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins year by year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when he comes into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering you have not desired but a body you have prepared for me. In whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me, to do your will, O my God. And if you finish reading that, he said, Thy law is what? Within my heart. That is, I like this because it said, a body you have prepared for me. All right. Of course, this was Hebrew reading of what exactly the Lord said. He said, I do delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. Now, the need for consecration is one thing I want to remind us of again. Again, it's our school of prayer. We are learning the right things to say in prayer, how we are supposed to pray. If you read um, Demo Shakarian's Happiest People on Earth, it's interesting, he had a tragedy in his life at the time, and he ended it with a consecration. I think the child was sick, and they prayed and prayed and prayed. The child died, and what was his own summary? He consecrated himself further to doing the will of God. Many people have gotten angry. After I believed you, God, why will you do this to me? Where were you when this was happening to me? It is not everything in life you will have explanation for. You understand what I'm saying? It is, that's just the way it is. That is what is called faith. You just have to trust the person who's leading you 
You have to trust the person that has guiding you. You have to trust that he is actually guiding you. You know, the Bible says that um, when David was speaking, he said, he that keepeth Israel neither sleeps nor slumbers. People are slumbering, they make mistakes. Sometimes we were driving, let me not mention names. Some of these are brothers when they are driving. They, he went out one portal. I look. I know I said, oh, but you are sleepy. Said, no, I said you are sleepy. That portal was too obvious. Why did you enter into it? He said, I said, I beg, if you are sleepy, pack. Let me drive. That's what it means to slumber. You start making mistakes. <laughs> the Lord is good. <laughs> now, so when people slumber, they make mistakes. But they, that's why David had to tell us. The one who keeps Israel, neither slumbers. He does not sleep. That is, he doesn't sleep. He doesn't even get tired. He's never weary. There's no searching his understanding. That's just the way he is. So faith is for you to understand that. Things in life don't always turn out the way you planned them. That's why I discourage Christians from having long-term plans. You can have long-term desires. Make short-term plans according to the need for faithfulness. You get my point? So if God gives you a job to do today, Plan every day so you can do it properly. But as per what your life will be later on, you cannot plan it. It's just not possible. The other day, you know, I heard um, that our pastor in, in Ukraine, Sunday Adelaja, he said something which is interesting. Of course, it's obvious. Everything is labored for how many years? How many is he say? Yes. Decades. One day, Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine, and that was the end of it. They have to run out of town. Sometimes people think they can plan. I say, you can't. You just can't. He said, time and chance happens to them all. Good News Bible uses the expression, bad luck. It happens. Mm-hmm. If you listen to our series, there's a particular one. That's the book of Ecclesiastes. There's one in which I say, life, I say, life has traps. Things that you did not plan for will just happen. It doesn't mean you are not wise. It doesn't mean you are not smart. It just means life has traps. Things just happen. People who make predictions, experts, financial predictions, they've been shown to be wrong a little over 50% of the times. Did you hear what I said? <laughs> a little over, like 50.6, of the times. That is, more than half of the times, they are wrong. So, Richard Quest there said, I think it was on TV, he said that you may as well toss a coin. A coin is right 50% of the times. <laughs> Experts are wrong a little more than 50% of the times. So tossing a coin will probably do better <laughs> than them. So what is faith? Faith is just to trust the Lord. It, it, it doesn't mean you're a fatalist. You know, people sometimes, because that's one problem with the teaching of faith, is as if you can control life. You know, I keep on saying it, you can't. Real faith just means that you take the word of God and you obey it every time. You make your request known to God. People say God never says no. You know, I keep on telling you, don't believe that thing. There's no loving father that doesn't ever say no. And one reason why he says no is that your request is not actually going to be fulfilled. That is, your request will not be a fulfillment of his promise. What do I mean? For example, he says to you, like, the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want then you decide that this company is where I will work and I will not lack. And God says, look at you. It's going, they're going to fold up in the next two years. Do you get my point? He says, look, they're going to fold up in the next two years. 
So you are praying and believing. And someone says he doesn't say no. He doesn't say no to his promises. All his promises are yes and amen in Christ. But in the company you are mentioning the name, their name is not in the Bible. There are so many specifics about your life you decide to give to. You say God must do it like this. I have told God that before December. How can you have told God? You can't. You can make your requests. And Paul said, what do you get in return? Peace. The peace of God that passes all understanding. That is what the Lord gives you immediately in return. So that if things don't turn out the way you, you plan, doesn't mean that something bad is, is happening. doesn't mean something bad is happening. I've seen in my life many times, you know, things, I want something one way, it doesn't work that way, then God does his own thing. And then we're excited. And I say, hey, thank God it didn't work the way we planned it. Say, so look at it. Where you were whining and complaining about it when it was not working the way you planned it. I hope you're getting my point. It's important. Now we're talking about consecration. That we consecrate to God totally. One major, I'm sorry, I have to just go that way. One major problem we had when we were learning faith those days was this idea. Now, first, we generally were told not to read too much of the Old Testament and what they call the Old Testament, which I don't call Old Testament anymore. I call it what? What the Bible calls it. The law and the prophets. So what is the Old Testament? What the Bible calls Old Testament is a law that was given on Mount Sinai. That covenant that was caught with Israel on Mount Sinai that Moses told them about. That is the Old Testament that passed away. Genesis was before the Old Testament. Do you get my point? All right? Old Testament started in Exodus. And then many of the prophecies you find, they were not under the Old Testament. God told Jeremiah, I've made you a prophet to the nations. The nations were not part of that covenant. Prophecies about Jesus Christ are not part of the Old Testament. The word of God about the new covenant, which was given to the prophets. That's not Old Testament. So the Bible calls the law and what? The prophets. So there are three parts of that portion of the Bible. There's the law the prophet, and the writings. So the law, of course, you know, just, this is just general theology for us to remember. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the law. The prophets include Samuel. That's how it is grouped. Samuel, the early prophets, Samuel, which is actually 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings. All of that. Okay? Then they have the latter prophets, which include things like Isaiah, Jeremiah, you know, Ezekiel, Hosea, Habakkuk, you know, Zephaniah, Haggai, Malachi, all those people. Then the other ones are generally the writings. I mean, I've missed one or two things, just trying to give you the way it is. So I, call, I prefer to use the expression the law and the prophets, just to make it short. They are relevant for us today. Job was recorded for our learning. Job said, the Lord gave, the Lord has taken. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's is an instruction every Christian should bear in mind. That's the word they should repeat. People have modified that the Lord gave, Satan took. No, that's not right. But we saw Satan read before it. It was God that called the attention of Satan and told him, now you are going to do this. As far as Job was concerned, I have no deal with the devil. And, the, and no, please, sometimes we have to get these things right. Did Job rebuke the devil before his fortune was restored? 
Answer me a simple question. Could Job have rebuked the devil anywhere along the line so that the devil would stop tempting him? For obvious reasons. It was the Lord that commanded. And then when his faith was purified, was shown to be complete, then God now restored to Job twice what he lost. Do you get my point? So it doesn't matter, therefore, for you to say, it's the devil. So you, you can't rebuke this devil. Do you follow my point? You can't, that particular one, you can't. It's not within your powers. So when Job said, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken, the important thing for us to learn is that anytime you lose something also, what do you say? Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's the lesson there. The lesson there is that no matter what you go through, blessed be the name of the Lord. That's the lesson. Some people think that you're being fatalistic as a Christian, that you're not stretching out for your rights. Not really. When you have done all, you know, that's what the Bible calls having done all. When you have done all, then you watch the rest. Do your best and leave the rest. Have you remember that song? This thing in nursery school. What did you think? We have come again. Which are you doing? Twinkle, twinkle. One of the songs we learned in primary school was "Do your best and leave the rest." Do not tell you, boys and girls of uh, boys and girls of mention the name of your school. Do your best and leave the rest. That's what the Bible says. Having done all, do what? Stand. So when you have done all and you are standing, whatever happens after that, there's nothing you can do about it. If you keep your money in the bank and you start hearing rumors of war, you know what they call rumors of war? <laughs> you know what they call rumors of war? Yes, sir. Financial war. Now I don't want to wake up next day and start running to the bank. Let me just advise you, just go and sleep. What else are you going to do? Okay, the money you had there, as soon as you are rich, it was about 85 million naira, 100 million. So you want to withdraw 100 million and bring to your house? I want to quickly withdraw it and go and buy some buy land, which is guaranteed to be collected by those people on the way to Zuka. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about. In case you are from there, I don't want to mention the name of your clan. <laughs> are you from that area? The way you cross your hand when I mention you. <laughs> if you buy land in a hurry like that, guaranteed you will lose it. And that's an example. What are you going to do? You just, you just go back to sleep. Say, hey, that this wants to go up in price. So let's go and, you want to go and dig on the underground tank. Buy this one and store. When you come next to the water, you won't know how the water got inside there. You know, just relax. I mean, having done all, what do you do? You stand. You stand. We need to read our law, prophets, and the writings. The law, the prophets, and the psalms. We have to read all of them to understand how God works. Things don't always turn out the way you wish they would. Why? You don't have enough understanding to plan life. You don't. You don't have enough understanding to plan your life. There are missionaries who set out, I forgot one particular one, maybe wanted to come to Africa. Is it Africa? One of them wanted to go to China. Then something happened, there was war in China, so they couldn't go. So they decided to come to Africa. And that's how come we know about the person today. I don't want to give names, so I don't say something that is wrong. God leads different ways. There are people that they dreamt when they were back home, and the Lord told them through dreams exactly where to go for their missions. I give us an you know, example. Since 2003 to 2020, 19 years, Kingdom World Ministries Bible classes on Saturdays held every that in the evenings on Saturdays by 5 p.m. The last few months, two months has been what? Mornings. Do you know what? why you came to mornings? You know the story. You think I didn't pray? 
I prayed. We re-strategized. We even thought about changing venue and living here. Somebody even found, you know, near Dream FM. Was it you that came? Somebody came, one of you came with the idea that maybe we should um, go and negotiate with the owners of the property there, see what will happen. And finally we said, look, this cannot continue. The oldest we didn't say, my children, I have decided. No, we just the comfortable time now for easiest of all, 7.30 in the morning. We just moved to it. And from day one, it turned out to be a very wonderful idea. So that if, you, if the evenings return to the quietness that we desire, I will move there. No, I'm not going back to the evenings. <laughs> I'm not even going to. Yeah, because, no, you don't need to be told that that's early morning one is the perfect will of God. After 19 years. Do you get my point? Things don't always turn out the way you plan them. So you have to learn to trust God. You have to learn to hope in him. You have to learn to expect him to open doors for you. See, this is how God does things. I teach on how to wait for God a lot, okay? What I mean by waiting for God? Waiting for God is not an idle process. It's not you sit down, you are doing nothing. Every season of your life, there must be something you are doing. There must be, there must be. There must be something you are doing. And waiting can be difficult. I hope you understand that. Oh, it can be difficult. The other day I took encouragement from something that Moses waited for 40 years. If I sometimes some people wait in such a manner that God, it's as if God's plan is that give up first. Do you get what I say? That until you give up, I'm not starting. That is, you will get to a point, you, when you say wake, wake up in the morning, declare God will do great things for him today. Say so like he did yesterday, you know. You, just, you, you, are not, you are not angry. Say, God, I'm not angry with you, Lord. Though. You remember my God, my Father. Thank you very much. But just leave me where I am. Like Moses. Moses said, what are we discussing here? I hope you understand that Moses, from childhood. Now, let's, let me tell you the story of Moses again. Before he was born, his parents, either one of them or both of them, I don't know, had a visitation from the Lord, a clear one. And they were told that you are going to give birth to a son and it's going to begin to deliver Israel from her bondage. It was clear. So, Pastor Mark, where is that in your Bible? That's what they meant when the Bible says he was a beautiful child. That's what it was, it was meant. There was no doubt in the heart of the mother the kind of child they had. The angel gave them instructions concerning what to do. The idea of putting him on the river was not human reasoning. So his sister Miriam was watching, and then a woman from Pharaoh's household took the child, and the sisters volunteered to go and get a nurse who happened to be producing milk at the same time. You're getting my point. Eh? (laughs) So under the cover of Pharaoh, the young boy was taken care of by his own mother. So she was paid. Strangers will build your walls. Do you get my point? She was paid to take care of her own son. So as the boy was growing up, she taught him what his life was about and taught him how to keep secrets. And then the guy went back to the... This was what happened to Moses, I'm telling you. Went back to the house of Pharaoh. And then he... You know, he, this thing was in him all the time. I am a deliverer. I'm a deliverer. I'm a deliverer. Ah, Deliverer, deliverer, deliverer. 20 years, nothing happened. Deliverer, deliverer, deliverer. 30 years old, nothing's going on. I believe he used to see his mother once in a while. All of them, I said, what are you going to do? So, he now had this 
militant approach to things. The very thing God did not want. But God said, this your militant approach must fail first. So, he killed somebody. He began to, you know, it was planning, planning rebellion. They had to come together and fight. It, was, it probably was importing arms bit by bit. <laughs> At the end of the day, now I'm painting a dramatic picture here. At the end of the day, <laughs> the whole thing came to what? Zero. He now became somebody that was being, now it's not just one, it's, look, it was an important man in Israel. So whoever he killed, something must have been about that issue. I said, he's in Egypt, I wanted to say. So the Bible now says that he ran away, not because he was afraid. Again, that angel that was guiding his mother and his father came to him and said, it's enough. You are out of here. You will go off into the wilderness. Go to the land of Midian. How do I know that? It's in Hebrews chapter 11. That by faith, he left Egypt. Not because of fear. You do things either by fear or by faith. That in his own case, it was not because of fear. It was because of faith. What is faith? There was an instruction he was obeying. So he left. Now that's where the story starts. Everything I've said so far is not the story. Let's not start the story. First year, what happened? Second year, what happened? I didn't hear you. Third year, what happened? Fourth year, what happened? Tenth year, what happened? Twentieth year? Thirtieth year? The guy gave up. It's enough. I mean, I'm 70 years old. What's all this nonsense? My mother must have been high. When she said she, an angel visited her, that guy I saw that day is not an angel anything. He was just pretending. Con artist. When he had given up entirely, God said, good. Now, we cannot get his attention. It was necessary for him to give up because if he didn't, he would go back to Egypt with that Aluta spirit again. No, they call Aluta spirit. We know go grill, we know go grill, first of CD, it must remain, you know that kind of thing. Great, whatever. Hey, this nation must arise. You see all the freedom fighters shouting. See, no matter they shout, you shout. Eh? If it's not time for deliverance, you will go into further bondage. You are getting my point here. So the man had to give up entirely. Then God now told how do we know God came to him? Through the burning bush. I said, all right, let's go back. And you know what he said to the Lord? Too late. I'm old now. You know, remember this woman? There's another woman who talked like that. The mother of somebody. John. What's her name? Elizabeth. People always have things to tell God. Either they are too young or they are too old. The funny part is that those are the ones that can do the will of God. The ones that are just right, they can't do the will of God. Say, God, you came to the right person. (laughs) He said, in fact, now I know you are wise. You chose a strong, agile, well-educated man like me. Now let us go. I'm happy. I like gods like you. <laughs> there are gods that will not be picking unworthy people. Once you feel like that, you have failed. Even if you succeeded, you are failing. Whatever you are doing that is working is bad. <laughs> God seems to like those people that either feel they are too young or feel like they are too old. All of them are always wondering. They came to Jeremiah. You'll be a prophet. He said, alas, Lord, I'm but a youth. But he said, good, I like it like that. But stop saying you are too small. Now, what you will do is that anywhere I send you to go, you will go. And whatever I tell you to say, you will say. Because you are too young, you won't be able to say any other thing. Those old men have too much sense. They will go there and negotiate. But because you don't know anything, wherever I send you, just say what I say you should say, and then you will go away. 
perfect arrangement. Elizabeth, that one too. Angel came and told her. And angel also visited her. Yeah, I know. You may not have read like that in your Bible. Angel visited Elizabeth also. In fact, their whole family, something is wrong here. That's why they had to shut the mouth of the, of the husband. What's his name? You called him John. That's what I was wondering. <laughs> they had to shut the mouth of Zachariah because the woman, listen to what I want to say, the woman would have miscarried if he had continued talking nonsense. God sometimes looks like he just needs you to decide that you can't. Then he can walk. When you don't know what to do, that's what Paul meant when he said, when I'm weak, then I am strong. That's the meaning. When I'm weak, then I am strong. You had dreams and ideas of certain things you feel you should do in life. They cost money, but now you are broke. Paul said good. That is when they can succeed. Because now when you want to testify, that's when you can give real testimonies. That's when you can say confidently. No, you see, Paul, you know, you can do the... Like, now, let me say it this way. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. It's good you learn that and start saying it before you even do anything. But when Paul said it, it wasn't something he learned. It was something he experienced. Now, if you tell him how come your ministry was this effective, he will say, it was not my planning. That most of the things I did, I did not plan them. And that's what I was going to say earlier. What God does is to open doors. Let me put this how life is. He gives you a job to do. You are faithful in doing it. You might say how to wait for God. Waiting for God is not idleness. There must be something you are doing. You'll be doing that thing and doing that thing and doing that thing until he opens the door. And that door will be his own. Which word am I looking His own opening. Is it, which word is it? The opening of that door will be his own doing. Let's use it like that. Just find whatever it is. Each season of life has an assignment. Let me say it again. Each season of life has an assignment. Each season of life has an assignment. Each season of life has an assignment. Even the so-called waiting season, there is an assignment to be done. Abraham waited for Isaac for how many years? 25 years. He woke up every morning. Isaac, come. Isaac must come. Let us sing. Isaac, come. Isaac must come. We are believing the Lord. We are believing the Lord. Isaac must come. Isaac must come. Was that what he did? Like every morning he wakes up. Farm. Cultivation. Sheep rearing. Business doing. Until the servants working for him in the house were enough to go for battle with. I hope you're getting my point. The watching us down there say, ah, one day, Isaac will come. One day, it's God that used to bring up the matter once in a while. God said, I'm exceedingly great reward. He said, What do you give me? I go childless. Say it quickly because we have, farm. We have to go to the farm. What I'm going to say is that I, Abraham was not idle. Abraham was busy. There was something he was doing at that time. When we are so focused on what we are waiting for, that, that waiting period is very long. Sometimes I've, I tell myself that, like, I'm like, I just realized I've been in Enugu for 22 years. It's almost unbelievable. It's, I, I, wait, I look at my wife and I will be talking. You mean we came to this city in the year 2000? It's exactly, that September was exactly 22 years. I said, now, wow. So you mean 22 years have passed since? But it, you know why it feels like a short time? 
There has been, those 22 years have been busy 22 years. Very active 22 years. 22 years in which we started teaching like this, 2003. Right now on our website, you can get over 1,500 messages. Almost all of which were preached here. A few of them, seminars here and there. 22 years of raising children. 22 years of doing stuff. I hope you're getting my point. When you want to see that you're waiting for something, you'll be, you'll be discouraged. You will be discouraged. That's the way it works. You'll be discouraged. So this is enough. Like there's something you must do. So okay, I'm looking for work. There's work you have. I don't know whether you get my point. There is, some, there is something, even when it appears to people outside like you're not doing anything, there's actually an assignment. It can be reading. But it's not reading out of idleness. It's purposeful reading, purposeful study. For example, students are in school. Every day, what are they doing? They are studying. They are studying. They may not be out there working and producing money and earning income, but they are studying. Sometimes your learning is not a formal setting, but it's still... Wake up in the morning, go and read. Wake up in the morning, go and do. You must identify something you are doing at each point in time. And if months have passed, you are looking for what you are writing the application, you have not gotten a job, it's likely the jobs they gave you did not take it, or you are looking for the right, for the wrong thing at that particular season. I hope you're getting my point. Listen, each season of life has what? I didn't hear you. Each season of life has, has what? Now listen to this. Why you are doing the assignment for that season of life? You know when you know it's over, God now opens the next door. And like I say all the time, it's always a door of righteousness. It's always a door of righteousness. Until the door of righteousness opens, don't harass yourself. Don't disturb your soul. Don't wake up every day grumbling about your current situation. I hope you are getting my point. Let's look back at that Abraham. Well, just to, get, to remind us again, what was God doing in the life of Abraham? You know what he was doing? He was purifying him and training him so that he would be able to receive Isaac. Isaac was also an assignment. You have to be trained to handle Isaac. Isaac was given as a sacrifice. What God does is that if he wants a sacrifice from you, he first gives you the sacrifice. If God wants you to offer him a bull, he will give you a small calf. I don't know whether you're getting my point. You will not train the calf until it becomes a bull. Then you go and offer the bull. Isaac was like that. Now, so that he will be able to fulfill the assignment of raising Isaac and offering Isaac at the right time, God had to take him through his experiences. It was not an idle process. Please, I hope you're following what I'm saying. It wasn't an idle process. It was not an idle process. So what you, do, what you do, you keep yourself busy, and then God opens his door. Now, talking about that Isaac, I jumped something. Now, how did God, Abraham get Isaac? After God had prepared Abraham through many experiences, somebody took his wife, God collected her back and gave to him, and he, trust, he learned to trust God. You know, he was hungry, God supplied food. You know, God just kept on leading one step. He was discovering the names of God, different names. He was discovering the names of God. He would discover that God is my defender. My God, God is my, you know, my shield. God is my provider. He was de- discovering different things about God. Then that God now came one day. Go and check it each time. The record we have in scripture. Please everybody go and check it. 
Each time, it was God that came, not Abraham that went. Can you quickly do a mental check? What do I mean? The year before he had the child, he was sitting at home. Then he saw strangers passing. And he said, where are you guys going at this time of the night? Let's make a long story short. It was the Lord with two angels. And after he entertained them, the Lord revealed himself to Abraham. And Abraham now discovered that, oh, and God now, then they started again. He now said to him, by this time next year, your wife will bear a son. It was not the one that came and said, God, this is the year. This is the year. Each time it was God that would come to him and say, now let's do another thing. Please, I hope you're getting my point here. And that's one lesson for us as believers. We must learn to wait for, and that is where the danger, is. no, no, not the, word, the word is not danger. Which word am I looking for? That's where they walk in another word. Somebody said something. Temptation, that's it. That's another one. That's where the walk is. That's where the temptation is. Yeah, those two words are good enough to describe everything. To be able to wait and not live. Oh boy, it's hard though. It is hard. It is hard. It is hard. I'm happy I got to this point. Because we will now connect what we have been talking about. It is hard. Anything that is hard like that, how do you handle it in life? Prayer, thank you. True prayer. It's prayer. And once something is hard, it's prayer. The only thing that will keep you waiting is this prayer of consecration we're talking about. You have to regularly consecrate. You have to wake up every day and consecrate. The way you give your life direction, we said, is by engaging your mouth. It's just to wake up in the morning and say, Lord, I will wait until my change comes. I will wait until you come. You said, occupy with this until I come. You have given me what to be occupied with. I will be occupied with this until you come. I will occupy with this. I like those two expressions. He said, occupy with this. It also means what? Be occupied doing this until I come. Occupied literally means do business with this until I come. Keep busy with this until I come. Keep busy with this until I come. I was something that will explain. <laughs> I going to surprise you. Recently, I came to the conclusion that everything I've been doing so far in ministry is not the assignment. It's the preparation. Do this until I come. Did you hear what I said? Okay, okay. You say, ah, what do you, what do you? Okay, let me just tell you so that you won't feel, feel like uh, you say you miss road. I didn't miss road. What I mean is this. Going around healing the sick, doing everything. Was that the assignment of Jesus Christ? What was the real assignment? Dying on the cross. I'm not saying I'm going to die. I'm just trying to do <laughs> for so that. <laughs> for those three years and a half thereabouts, that was not the main thing. It was part of it quite all right. Kennegan will say that he passed out for 12 years. And God told him, when you left your last church, you entered the first phase of your ministry. Did you hear what I said? Now, I'm not saying that applies to me like that, okay? But just to let you know that life has phases. Sometimes the first portion of his, his, for him, 12 years of being a pastor was stage zero. Maybe for me, this is stage one, I don't know. But then sometimes the temptation is that, okay, what is the next thing we will now do? That's one thing you must never do. Just sit down there, occupy until he comes. When he comes, you will know. 
Sometimes you are doing very well, everything is looking okay. God says, no, this is, not, this, is, this is a preparatory period. Or this is one phase. There's another phase coming. There's another phase coming. But he said, be busy with this one I have given you until when that time comes, he will open his own door by himself. How do you wait? Like I told you, that waiting is a hard period. Moses, how many years? 40. Abraham, how many years? There are two seasons of waiting, actually. The first was 25. The second was 35. 60 years until the real purpose for his life was, was manifested. The birth of Isaac was God first. Before, the first 25 years was him being prepared to be able to handle a body as precious as that of Isaac. Isaac was like the calf that was given to him to rear up to become a bull that he would offer as a sacrifice. The next 35 years was to prepare him to be able to offer that sacrifice. And then one day God said, now, this is time to go and do the reason why I called you in the first place. To go and offer this boy as a whole burnt offering, which he did successfully. He said, but he didn't kill Isaac. Don't worry, that's on the surface. In reality, he did. He, like Paul said, he received him back as, you know, like a resurrection matter. It was a type of resurrection. The Isaac he brought back home. Please, you're following me? Waiting for 60 years is not easy. 25 and 35 for him. Waiting for 40 years is not easy. That is when we go into the matter of consecration prayer again. I want to remind us that we must consecrate ourselves all the time to the plan of God. Sometimes I get it's a bit of fear, you know, godly fear now that comes to my heart. You know, once I was telling my wife, we discussed some things in the house. You know, people said, ah, you know, many testimonies came about what, what this ministry has done you know, in people's lives and all of that. The one day I looked at my wife, I said, do you realize we could have refused to do this? And God, I mean, like, even though it's compulsory, it's not compulsory. Do you hear what I said? No, you don't look like you understand even though it's his plan, but it doesn't force you. You have to deliberately consecrate to do it. It's important you understand that. At every step of the way, opportunities will come, will be given to you to refuse. For example, one major one that we do is delay. Why? Let me go and settle myself first. This country is hard. I have to go and build it. There's one person I keep on remembering time I say that. Say, listen, I don't want anybody to think I came to ministry to come and look for money. So what does that mean? I will first go start businesses. When my businesses are established and they are bringing money, then I will come into ministry. The person who told me that, told me that more than 30 years ago. Actually, like 33 years ago. I know what he has done about ministry till now. Nothing. Absolutely Nothing. God hates being put as second, you know. Lord, wait there. When I finish, I have other things that are more pressing. I have to take care of my children. have to grow to a level where they don't need me anymore so I can start traveling. Yes. The day Ken Higgins said that, he collapsed and almost died. Like I told you, God does not play demo. When you call demo? No, no, that's not harassment. What's demo? You know the demo? Testing hair. Give me another word. Huh? 
Trial version. Yeah, exactly. Shake hands. Yeah, that's the perfect one. God doesn't do shake hands. No. <laughs> when it collapsed, now die with that. When the fish swallowed Jonah, it wasn't that I'm carrying you to Nineveh. You are dead meat. In fact, according to David Poston, that fish, fish swallowed the corpse. Yeah, David Poston insists that that fish did not swallow a living person. And he gave figures, you know, it was a sea. The way the sea is, the depth of the sea, you drown before you can reach the bottom. Yeah. I mean, you don't have any gear on, nothing. You are dropping to the bottom of the sea. You drown before you get there. And if you know, <laughs> drowning in the pool is not the same thing as drowning in the sea. People don't get it. Let me just teach you something briefly. Just, you know, I like to drop things, physiology and, and science here. Even if they gave you a pipe to connect to the surface of the, of the water, you can't breathe. Are you aware of that? Most people are shaking their heads. They are not aware. That's true. As long as you are the, okay, let's forget this. Let's a bottom of a swimming pool that's just six feet deep. If you lie down there and I give you a pipe, Connect to the surface, you know, big enough pipe, because you put it in your mouth, you can't breathe. I like the way you're rolling your eyes. It's really exciting. <laughs> Why can't you breathe? You have to be able to push the weight of the water. Your chest must be able to distend and push that weight of water. And it's measured by the column of water above. It's like putting a 50 kg cement bag on your chest. Breathe, let me see. Is that heavy? The column of water on your chest when you're at that bottom, at that level, is like putting 50 kg bag of cement on your chest. You can't breathe. When people, it happened in, it was in, it was in Indonesia or Malaysia. Where did they have a stampede a few days ago? What happened? I mean, it happened here in Adoration Ground Crisis that time. Okay, this was long ago. It was about 20 years now. All right? Same thing. People just step on you. When there are no people stepping on you, you can't breathe against their weight. Sometimes they don't even step, they just crush you against a wall. You can't breathe. And in a few minutes, you're gone. So we're talking about six-feet pool. How deep is that ocean? I don't know. Definitely, it's not less than 100 feet. <laughs> that weight will crush any human being. Once you get down there, you're dead. You're not coming back from there. So what the man said made a lot of sense. But he was smart. As he was going down, he was praying. As he was going down, he was praying. Before life passed out of him, he had finished saying all his prayers. As his dead body laid down there, fish now came, took him up, and he revived in the belly of the fish. Then he started giving thanks, not whining. Let me add that one quickly. He started giving thanks, not whining. Some people say, this is what you call deliverance. You say you are God. Why can't you just shoot me to the surface of, of the water immediately? I'm in this dark place. I don't know what's going on. He started giving thanks, and then, of course, the fish. Now, what I'm going to say is that he wasn't, God wasn't joking with this man. If he did not pray the right prayers, that's the end of Jonah. You want to hear another thing? Many Jonas died. They are not in your Bible. Many Jonas died. They are not in your Bible. Hagen said, as he collapsed, they rushed and called his wife. They were working on him. CPR, this one, that. They called his wife. As soon as his wife came there, he was just leave him, leave him. I know what happened. 
She knelt down there, listen to this, and consecrated him to God. Before that, he had heard somebody tell her several times in the house, I could take him away and you'll never see him again. And she used to be alone in the house. And she would check who is there. Nobody. Why? Because she used to grumble. Everybody has their husband with them. I'm the only one that would be as if I don't have a husband. Because he used to travel at the time, four weeks. To go, this one, where is it? When did we travel? Two days ago. Two days what? Tuesday. We traveled on Sunday. Came back on Tuesday, preached Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, then left the place and traveled four hours back to town. So I say, and then there's WhatsApp, and there's phone call, and there's free um, WhatsApp call, and there's all kinds of ways of communicating. This man would disappear for four weeks. Maybe in four weeks, only passed through the home once, stay overnight, change his clothes, and disappear again. And to call his wife, he said he has to wait till night so he can do cheap call, long distance. So she was whining and complaining. And instead of God to come and say, sorry, my girl, it's all for the good of the whole church. Please, I'm begging you. <laughs> Release him for me. Because if I hear him from you again, and they do like B. See, if I hear it again, he will die, and that's it, he'll be gone. So the day he collapsed, actually it was the day he decided to stop moving up and down too. And the moving up and down does not always pay. Those pastors that had churches, they had regular income. These up and down people, they know they get regular income. They can go for, to eat, you go to pray. Confess in the name of Jesus. Satan, remove your hand from my money. Money is on this earth. It's my po-. You know all kinds of, I look at some of the prayers the man prayed. And I just said, these are prayers of poverty. So Holy Spirit taught him. I said, yes, he taught a poor man to pray. You do pray this as an adult. No, I, I recently about that prayer I told you recently. I said, oh God, this is your prayer. It was prayer of the wilderness. I'm not praying it. Mm-mm. I learned it then. I'm not praying it now. No, I'm not. How you used to get food to eat? I said, I'm not praying it. It's prayer of wilderness. Wilderness prayer. I mean, let me pray prayer of Canaan land. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. He did. God, God blessed him more. God helped him. But each thing was struggle, you know, pray to buy the car, pray to maintain it, pray to, be, pray, you know, ah, oh. can that just have plenty of money? Must everything be by faith? You know what I mean by faith? Before your children wake up, you are declaring there's food, there's food, there's food. Must that? So he too, he got tired. Sabek, <coughs> let's come and settle down. He came to settle down when he collapsed. And as soon as his wife heard he had collapsed, she came there, she knelt down there and told the Lord, I'm so sorry. I won't whine again. No grumbling again. If you like taking for a whole year. And it's better than this one that I'm, <laughs> you want to toss me into right now. When she finished praying the prayer, he rose up and he was well. After that, again, not complain again. No. In fact, I can imagine he, he, she'll be the one say, oh God, when else are you traveling? <laughs> Are you not going for ministry? I heard they invited you in Kutuwenji. Are you not going there? The people in Malawi are calling you. Won't you go? <laughs> yeah, she dedicated. Look, consecration is important. Listen, read your scriptures. God always puts premium on the son that serves. 
God always puts premium on the son that serves. Serving God is both compulsory and voluntary at the same time. What am I by compulsory? That's the order he has set for you. But he now gives it to you to personally consecrate to it. You have to say with your mouth, Lord, until you come, I will wait on the assignment you have given me today. You have to open your mouth and say to the Lord, that which you created me to be is what I want to be. I hope you're getting my point. You have to deliberately, please let me say it, you have to deliberately renounce and denounce the flesh. Let me explain this. You have to say things like, I remember those days of teachers to say things like, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I hear. I'm only moved by the word of God. Now, you know why you say such things? Because what you see will want to move you. What you hear will want to move you. And the word of God will be the last thing on the list. So you have to eliminate deliberately the first two. I am not moved by what I hear. I am not moved by what I see. I'm only moved by the word of God. In the same manner, if people, of course, you understand the pressures of society, you, you have to say, Lord, it doesn't matter whether I have plenty of money or I don't. They said, are you not going to own your own house? Lord, I say to you, it does not matter. Lord, I say to you, my food is not the primary thing. I will not labor for the food that perishes. The most important thing to me is that the assignment for my life is fulfilled. My food is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. That you, see, that is how you persuade yourself. Because the words, all right, they go out, like I said last time, those words are not just, they are beyond prayer. There's something I said last time, I noted it down, which I feel like, because I feel like repeating it today. I said these words, after we finished praying, I made a statement, that these words will carry you into fulfilling the will of God for your life. It will carry you into destiny. How? Just by you saying that, for example, God, I will locate the assignment you have given me for today, and I will do it until you come. You say that every morning, the assignment you have given me for this season, I will fulfill it until you come. I will be occupied with this until you come. That deliberate utterance is necessary for keeping yourself calm. The temptations that come to you, do you get me? Remember the story I, I told you? Those days, of course, I started, um, I think 1990, I left school 91. 91, 92, I was doing my house job, yes. 92. 92 was when I first encountered the idea of purpose was first taught to me in 1992 when I was doing my house job in Adwekiti. We had our um, annual convention in the church and this man came from somewhere, I think in Ogun or Shundera about. That exists. He came to teach and he taught on year by year. And he explained that let me summarize it. That there were two people who were contemporaries. One of them was called Elimelech. The other was called, um, what's the name of um, Elkanah? Thank you. He said Elimelech carried Ruth, uh, carried them, Naomi, Marlon, and Shilon, went to Moab to go and look for greener pastures. Do you understand what I'm saying? He said, meanwhile, according to him, now I'm just telling you what he told us, I've not personally checked all some of these things, but the principle is correct 100%. He said, but what God needed at that time was a prophet in Israel. Why? Because the household of Eli had messed things up. 
Eli was both the priest and also God's prophet in the land. But his sons, you know what happened to the sons. Um, what's their name again? Hophni and Phinehas. They were sons of Belial. The Bible calls them. They did not know God. They didn't care about God. They didn't care about the order of the temple. They had no respect for holy things. And God is very patient. Sometimes I don't like it, but that's the way he is. <laughs> he used 20 years to solve one problem. You know why he does that? Because solving problems means killing people. And he does not want any sinner to perish. But he's patient so that they will repent. That's what his patience is about. So the man said, look, God needed a replacement for these boys. Eli was old. His sons are taking the, the, the offices, but they were doing what was evil. So one man went to go and look, and then he left. For that reason, according to him, he died. Marlon and Shilon, they died. That, that's what he taught us. But let's not sit on that. He said, but there was another person God was working on, Elkanah. Specifically this time around, his wife, Hannah. Hannah for years was asking the Lord, give me a child, give me a child. And God looking at Hannah like this. According to him, then one day this, she was crying. And God said to her, the husband said to her, am I not better to you than ten sons? This message was preached to me in 1992. I remember it clearly to today. I can still see the man talking. How many years is it good in 1992? 30 years precisely. Yes. Abi? 30 years. Yes, 30 years. So he said that when Elkanah said to Hannah, am I not better to you than ten sons. That what Hannah heard was that it's not just about a child, but about ten sons. He said ten sons is not number, it's quality. I'm telling you what I was told. This one you are turning your head like this. <laughs> okay, let me see. <laughs> that it's not about the number of children, but about the quality of that child. And I'm going to check it. Somewhere was ten sons. Why do I know? I mean, you know, now Samuel is a hundred sons, actually. Samuel was somebody that God bragged on. He used to use as an example for people. He said to Jeremiah, you think you can pray? If you like, go and call Samuel and Moses. I would not listen. He was a special intercessor with God. None of his words fell to the ground. That's what they meant by his ten sons. He said that, look, that woman now realized that what God was saying is that it's not just about his son, but about the quality. So that the Holy Spirit helped her to understand that what I need, let me add many words so as to summarize it now. What I need is a child that will serve the purpose of God. So she went to God and said, give me a son and I will give him back to you. And God said, good. That now I have found what I was looking for. What I heard from that, the man told us that we have to locate divine purpose in all our desires in life. At the end of that day, if I remember very well, People stood up to pray. As we were beginning to pray, Holy Spirit just said to me clearly, did you understand what he said? I said, yes. Said, then sit down. Receive understanding. Because the word sank into me. I was transformed. By the entrance of that word. After that day, I was only concerned about doing the will of God for my life. I never forgot it. Then, we've met people like Miles Morrow. Miles Morrow has this series of teachings on Purpose. He just came to explain and amplify the things that that man, his name is Larry Adeboye, the things that Larry Adeboye taught me, that's just about an hour and a half of teaching. Over the next few years, I listened to people like Miles Morrow. Then Ken Higgins' teachings came in a new light, amplifying that thing. I realized I had to live only for purpose, not for any other thing. 
And that's how I was doing for the next few years. Until one of my friends came to Lagos. And we were talking. And he said he was going abroad. I said, why? He said he has to go and look for money. And he explained to me that I understand family issues. We have childhood friends. Our families are friends, you know. Went to the same church. Our parents walked maybe around the same places. Lived around the same neighborhood. You know, those kind of people. So, I mean, from the same part of the, the state, you know. That is like state of origin, local government of origin. We, are, we know very good family people. He says, I, I know his family. Yes, of course, I knew everybody in the family. That there's something I do not know. That there's this particular issue. I said, no, I didn't know about that. That somebody has it's a medical issue and somebody has to raise money to pay for heart surgery. This is long ago. And so that's why that, uh, me, I'm lucky now that I studied medicine before he did. For, he did medicine as a second degree. I did as a first degree. So that that's why I'm ahead of him. So that, no, I'm okay. But that he, he has to go and look for the money and all of that. You know, that day, I remember very, very well. As he was talking, I was breaking down inside. I realized that Larry Adiboye had confused me. Miles Morrow had confounded me. And Ken Hagen had deceived me. That is, <laughs> that all of them had made me forget the people that I was tied to. I was only thinking about my life and the purpose of God. I hope you're getting what I say. As the man left, the young man left, I saw him off. I came back to my room. I laid down and I began to cry. I'm not joking. I cried. I wept thoroughly. I laid down. I was telling God, I'm so sorry. How could I be this selfish? Ha! Hey, don't that. And what was he saying? Oh boy, what I heard is go and make money, help your folks. Help people that are connected with you. And you know that time, I was, that was the time I told you that I used to preach to the wall. Remember my preaching to the wall story? The time I used to preach to the wall. I used to write. I, I still have the book in the house. Maybe I should bring that book one day and come and show you guys. Every day I write something, I would date it. I would get a revelation, I will write it now. I will put it September 95. August 95. December 96. That, I still have it. It's in the house. One hardcover book like this. It was around that period. All I was doing was writing Revelation and preaching to myself and waiting for when God opened the door so we can preach. Then my friend came and expounded life to me satanically. Yes, that's what Satan does. You don't realize. He's a good man. He meant well. But by the time he was done that day, I realized that between Larry Adeboe, Miles Morrow, and Kenneth Higgin, they had led me astray. I thought... I lay down there and began to cry. I cried and cried until, let me say like the prophets, until the word of the Lord came to me saying, it, came, it dropped to me strongly, dropped in my heart. I didn't hear any voice outside, but it was so clear that except a man hates his father, mother, brother, sister, and loved ones, he cannot be my disciple. That was what he said. Instantly, I got up, wiped my eyes, and said, I'm so sorry. We care so Honestly, God didn't look nice that day. I mean, normal people, nice people, you know, like chooks will come and say, Pastor, don't worry. How's it going? Things are going to be better. Don't worry about it. As you are following the Lord, the Lord one day will bless you. God will follow you. God will follow you back, you know? That's what they call follow back on Twitter. As you are following the Lord, he will follow you back. Don't worry. He's a faithful God. Weeping may endure for a night. Joy comes in the morning. Oh, this God is good. I have been young. Now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Oh, his children have been nonsense. He said nothing like that. 
Just say, oh boy, you want to be my disciple? You have to, you know, you have to discard all this nonsense thought of uh, emotional attachment, people depending on you. Did they make you? Did they create you? Did they save you? Are they the ones keeping you alive? What are you talking about here? What if I take away your life? What, what will happen to them? Hey! I said, this is Jesus. You know, when I tell Jesus is not a nice person, I have felt him. He can provide, though. We're not to take nonsense. If you say, follow me, don't follow him. I'll give you a knock on the head. You get a depressed core fracture. That day, I instantly stopped my tears, wiped my face, and told the Lord, I hear you, sir. And I dedicated myself again to waiting, to doing his will for my life. And he kept me waiting throughout. Good enough, he gave me a dream years before. That, well, a few years before. 93, during NYSC. Was when I had the dream that made it clear to me that I'm going to have a long period of no activity, of confusion, of frustration. So anytime I feel confused and frustrated that nothing is going on, I recollect that dream. And so the door was closed left and right until I was brought to Enugu. And as soon as I landed in this city, we knew that time to start teaching the word of God. Of course, once we came here, the first thing we did was start printing tracts. Started printing tracts. And after I organized one seminar that failed very well, that one taught me a lesson. Then we hired a hall, began to teach, and we have been teaching ever since. And then we have been writing books, we've been publishing materials, magazines, this and that. This magazine, Chooks, how many have you printed now? I'm sure we have done. No, what I'm talking about the volume. Each time we print, is 10,000 copies. Each time we print, is 10,000 copies. Each time we print, is 10,000 copies. We should be able to release one before the year is over. Let's just know we did another one. And then we have our website. Now we have internet radio. We are on about 20-something, about 25 radio stations nationwide. He kept opening the door. I told you the way they opened the door of the radio stations. There's only one I remember we deliberately. Okay, if the first three or four, we did deliberately. But the first one, Cosmo, he opened that one clearly. After that, we learned from that. But after that, the things that are going from the fourth one to the fifth one, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, till they got to 25. What are we now? Is it 24, 25? 25. I didn't, it's always, ah, pastor, this people called also. Should we pay them? Okay, negotiate. Tell your car to negotiate. We negotiate, we pay. That's it. Doors kept on opening. At the, at the point in time, I said, hey, enough open doors, enough open doors. The door, I said, hey, do. Then finally, they said, ah, okay, one open door deal. Where that one? Abuja. Hey, the price was good. I said, yeah, jump in. Shortly after, Another one open, no, which one is that one? But what used to happen is that those working in some stations, they go to a new station. So they are looking for broadcasting uh, broadcasters. They now remember, ah, there's this pastor now. They call. They call. And that's how the thing. And of course, the funny thing, let me tell you this, going to make, make you laugh. The more we increase the number of radio stations, <laughs> it's funny. And we are paying. A few, we don't even pay. Some other people will pay them directly. About two like that, three, three like that. The more they increase the number, the more our bank balance increases. I don't know whether you're getting my point. What will have thought that when you are paying more for more radio stations, the money will be going there? No. The way the Lord has done it, paying them has not been a, has not been a fearful thing. Some people will look and say, Is it that small, small, <laughs> you know, that's how you describe us that time. That small place, you probably know this from. 
And don't think it's those who are hearing on the radio that send the money. No, we don't. The Americans say no, it's not. Most who are giving the money, they are not even seeing the radio. They don't even know you're on radio. If you would know, someone just say, please, sir, this minister has been a blessing to me for the last 10 years. I should contribute something. That's what we get. That kind of email comes almost every other day. Almost every other day. Almost every other day. What I'm trying to say? That waiting period for me, it was, listen, <laughs> waiting for, for the Lord, it's not a small thing, no. You know, one day I looked at the Lord, like, say, why do you just treat somebody with so much? Which word? I don't want to use the word wickedness. You, can't, you, can't, you have to ascribe righteousness to, to, the, to my maker. I'm looking for another word, so you cannot use the word wickedness. You don't look somewhere, you say, could this bank, just they suffer here. He says, when those who are in Lagos, when money wants to come, I just won't be around. I, w- I had enough experiences to go and believe in ancestral curses. <laughs> Near me syndrome. Just before I get there, the thing will spot. When I hear people come there for counseling, I just like say, I think there's a curse. Which curse? What is the curse? One man came to me one day. He said, I should pray for him. So what is the issue? He said that before he just makes it, things to just scatter. I said, what do you do? He said, I help politicians. And when they enter into office, they forget me. <laughs> I said, you help politicians? Okay. Do you have another job that normal people do? I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, I asked him, do you have another job that normal people do? He said that he's a teacher. He teaches in a secondary school. I said, that's the work you, know, you do that I know. This other one I agreed. Of course, not everybody helps politicians. That's why Guru Guru came into power and had that many special assistants. Pack them in hundreds. Including my guy that went and hired vehicle and put at the junction and put the speaker on top. Guru Guru, children love you. Guru Guru, adults love you. Guru Guru, women love you. Guru Guru. Yeah. Because Guru Guru was going to be the next governor. One day I went to his office. I, I saw the haircut on his head. I said, but which kind of haircut? He said, ah, pastor. You know, in politics, you have to be noticed. That's why you grew your hair like this. <laughs> You just have to do something so that they will see you. I said, look, mark my words, you will get nothing out of this. Better mind your business. Of course, I heard they joined the special advisors where they employ. Of course, he, he was smart enough not to take it. Because it's just, just a sign of his jobless. The Lord is good. <laughs> I told the man that day, I said, my friend, what, which work do you do? He told me, this is the real business you do. Hey, let me now pray for you. One came one day, he said that I should pray for him. What is it? That God will open doors for international trials. I said, what, what did you say? Are you a criminal that has to be tried internationally? <laughs> so God should open doors for international trials. He says he's a footballer. So I looked at him. You know, I don't like play, play, praying with greedy people. I don't like it. They don't appreciate serious prayer. He said that. So I asked him. International trials. Have you been to Nam Azikiwe Stadium? He was looking at me. Enyimba is always trying. Did you go there? Julius Berger, have you gone to them? Then me, I will now pray so you have international trials. You have not played for Enyimba. You have not played for, for, for real wolves. Three SC is there. Aqua United. You have not played for any of these people. They will not come to church. I mean, I will not lay hands on you. Father! Sending for international criminal trial. Because, yes. <laughs> I looked at the guy like, you know, 
That's how I am. I said, my friend, go to Namdi Azikiwe Stadium. Let Julius Major decide you can play. Let him go to Abba. Let them decide you can play. They want to pray. For, is it not money you are looking for? I said, my guy, I, no, I told you straight. I don't pray such prayers. I said, Lila, I don't pray such prayers. See, if, if you really can play ball, go on, at least people I know those days. I don't watch football anymore. But those days, I still remember Fini the judge. They told him that he was a local, you know, like he used to play in Nigeria. And they, but he was very good. So when they bring foreign players, so somebody asked him, because foreign players, they would launch them in Ikeja Sheraton. Then these boys would be in the camp, maybe somewhere at the back of um, the stadium in uh, Suruleri. They would go and launch them somewhere. They would not carry the international, all the Keshi and co. Keshi would be in, um, uh, what do you call that place? Uh, uh, Ikeja Sheraton. They would carry those ones with fine, fine, nice buses. This one, you pull up, they enter inside, down, for come, we'll go, we'll go for real. They, they asked, if you need the judge, how did you feel those days? He said he felt nothing. He said he just knew that his time would come. That no, that is their time. There was no jealousy, there was no anger. I've seen people say, no, we are all footballers. <laughs> Bros, your leg is 10,000 naira. That guy's leg is $10 million. <laughs> so we are all footballers. Then that's the coach will bench them. That's the no career. You need the judge. I forgot what team he was playing for in Nigeria. Sharks. Then finally, after I said pre international, ah, then, before you knew what was happening, one, the last time I watched matches was Tiffany the judge I was watching playing for Ajax Amsterdam. That guy was, was he a right or left winger? That guy made me love football. Once you give him a ball like this, forget it. Everybody is, leaves you behind. Next time you see him, he's almost at the touchline, crosses over. Ghana one guy will come and finish his in for the, ah! That was the time I watched football. Those guys could play. Who was the third Nigerian in that year? I asked him that there were three, I think. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, they were the two in Ajax. Okay. But the number of them that time, I remember Clemens Westerov. Not Clemens Westerov, what's the name of that uh, English coach that time? Hmm? Bonfrey Joe is uh, all of Nigeria. I said English coach, that is coach of England. Terry Venables. Venables watched them play. He said, no, he said, give me this. He said, give me six of these men. I will rule the world. When he saw these guys play, they, came, they went to Wembley to play. He saw these guys play. He said, he, that if you give me, is it five or six of these? He said, I will rule the world. He saw skill and determination. These guys were playing in Nigeria before. They were playing here. And this guy said, I should come and play for international trial. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Now, why do I go into all of that? See, that waiting period, that's what people don't want to pass through. And how do you handle it? See, there's no other way to obey God except you know how to pray. There's no other way. Prayer is not the way by which we kill our enemies. It's not. Prayer was not given to us to be breaking ancestral curses like that. Those ones have been broken. How? By the blood of Jesus Christ. Prayer was not even given to us so that we can, you know, to forgive sins. That was covered by the blood of Jesus. Past sins I'm talking about. What's prayer for us is to help us do the will of God today. Jesus used to pray, and his prayer did not include food and drink. Yes. 
He used to pray. What was he praying about? At least we know the ones that were told. It was clear. Went to, went to the garden, garden, went on his knees, and said, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass over me. Say, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And my experience with such a prayer is that even though it's shown to us once, that was his lifestyle. It was not the cross that taught him that. The cross just made it more intense. It intensified that prayer. It was something he prayed every day. I started by saying that, what's his name? Demon Shakarian had a terrible experience in his life. And at the end of the day, what did he do? He consecrated himself, he and his wife, to the will of God for their lives. Their child was sick. They prayed. They had seen miracles. They had seen all kinds of miracles. They prayed for this one. This one died. They did everything possible. Doctors did their best. Everything the child still died. At the end, he and his wife gathered to pray. And it was a God. After we, and that man served God. He served God. He preached. He gave. He did everything. But they come there, you know, grumbling. He just consecrated himself to the will of God. And I'm saying to us today again, you will go through disappointments or you have gone through disappointments. What is your best if you want God to take glory? So at the end of the day, what do you do? Consecrate yourself to walk in the will of God more than ever before. That's how you disappoint the devil. That's how you frustrate him. That's how you man just let me go and hang myself. That's Satan now. Just make him unhappy. Why? He tempted you to grumble. You ended with thanksgiving. Ha. No, no, think about it. Think about it. When he was tempting Job, think about it. Each one he will come. Say, look, guys, guys, guys. Hey, demons, demons, hey, hey, demons, hey, hey, demons. Now, we have an assignment. We are going to make that guy angry with his God. Can we do that? Look, can you see any protection? We can't see any. Yes. God has left him for us. How do we start? He has money. Take all his money. He has children. Take all the children. He has everything. Take everything. Say, now, forget it. There's no man you will do this to. You won't grumble. Then Moses, what's his name? Job got on his knees when he got the whole news. They took his servants too. They only left one person to come and deliver the bad news. You no know, calamity news network so that all the bad, somebody has to come and tell. Once he heard all the news, he got on his knees and blessed God and said, the Lord give, the Lord has taken Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, it's not you I want to talk about is Satan. If you were Satan, how frustrated would you be? I'm like, ah, what's going on here? God said, have you considered myself and Job? He says, because he's still healthy. He said, good, let's go round two. Demon say, where's the demon of affliction? You come. You are going to knock him on the head. Peel his skin. Give him bacterial infection. Depress his immunity. He gave all the command. God said, the, the, the demon that kills him, what about killing him? He said, you want to go to the abyss, have you? <laughs> he said, no, they did not give us the right to kill him. We can't. So they afflicted Job. Job suffered pain. Please go and listen to his lamentations. Or go and read it. He felt it was horrible. Lasted some months. At the end of the day, what did he say? He said, shall we receive good from the hand of the Lord and not receive bad too? He said, the Lord has given, the Lord has taken. Now, it's pleased him to afflict us like this. What are we going to say? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Look, if I was the devil, I'm buying rope. I'm going to hang myself. And that's precisely where Job pushed him to. The point of hanging himself. Many of us are helping Satan survive. 
Every trouble will end with grumbling. God, don't talk to me. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And has it happened before? How many of you are married here? Jukes. You want to touch your head? <laughs> Do shoulder. Don't touch me. I said, why have I done that to you before? Bite the shoulder. Kind of bite out. Yes, God, I've seen people say that I'm not talking to God. What did you say? I'm angry with him. Let me tell you, if you don't want to talk to the Lord, you know what to do. Let me tell you how to do. You want to know? Go and kneel down. Father, I came to tell you this morning I'm not talking to you. Why? Because of the bad, bad things you have done to me. I'm not talking to you. Your name be praised forever. Amen. I'm not going to talk to you. I'm just going to read my Bible. <laughs> That's the only thing you can do. But you must talk to the Lord. You must hear his word. You must. You must. You must. You must. You cannot be angry with him because by the time you're angry with him, you are trying to tell him you are wiser than he is. That's it. When you're angry with the Lord, Satan is now happy. You are giving Satan fulfillment. So sometimes, just to make the devil feel bad, just give thanks. There was a time, it happened a number of times, I wasn't feeling well. I think it was stomach trouble at night. It's not good to have stomach trouble in the dark. If there's stomach trouble, put on the light. He says, is it therapy? No, so you won't feel you like a hellfire. You know, <laughs> if you put out the light, you think you have been tormented. So you just put on the light so that you can see everywhere. One of those nights, I don't know what happened. My stomach was giving me real trouble. I couldn't sleep. I was having colleagues. I was turning and twisting. Then it dawned on me. You know what happened? How I handled it. I said, Banky, this is not a serious problem, you know. I said, I attend to myself. I said, I do. Maybe something you ate. Yes. I said, what about people that this pain is cancer pain? So they, they don't expect to go away in the morning. Ah, do you know what I did? I forgot my troubles. And I began to pray for such people. It's not as if I knew I knew. I just took on intercession. I began to pray, Lord. He, this small thing, look at the distress is giving me. Ah, please, oh, people have cancer in the intestine. They have this. They have that. I began to pray. And I prayed intensely until I fell asleep. Yeah, that's what happened. I woke up in the morning, I was fine. But I remember that day, it happened to me like that twice. I'll just have one something that's disturbing my sleep. I say, hey, hey, this small thing, and you can't sleep. What about those that really have problems? Those of us think we have problems, we don't have problems. Though. Let me, <laughs> they have, there's a way they pray in Western Nigeria. I say, Who speaks Yoruba here? I think you are the only person. Allah Inka is not there. Ah, and it's Iwambe. I forgot. It's a pray. When old man won't pray for you for Yoruba, like they say, May your eyes not see trouble. Yeah, it's a prayer. That's it. Just summarize it. Let me just greet him. Ah, Baba. Good morning, sir. Ah, Bele. You are traveling. Eh? May your eyes not see trouble. Say amen. Because some people have seen trouble. Many of us who whine and complain, we haven't seen anything. Yeah, really, we haven't. What am I saying today? Let's not allow Satan to do what? To rejoice. Let's not allow him gloat. The way you can frustrate him, and that's the specific message for this evening, is for you to give the Lord thanks and consecrate further, even in the midst of your troubles, in the midst of your disappointments. That's why I told the story of Demon Shakarian. He lost a child. His reaction was, we will save the Lord from some more. It's not God, after everything we have done for you. They say, Lord, no matter what will come our way, 
we have committed to serving you all the days of our lives. Last time, we, let me just summarize this and then we'll be out of here. I just like reminding us of those things. Let's just do those scriptures together. All right, let's rise to our feet. We're not going to pray now. We're just going to read. We read those scriptures last time. I gave us four areas in which we consecrate our lives. Let's read them again. Second Corinthians chapter 5 quickly. We're just going to read together. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Without adequate consecration, you will not walk in the plan of God for your life. This consecration is deliberate, is daily. That's one prayer we pray as believers. You wake up in the morning and say to the Lord, Today I will do your will. I will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects. Are you there? All right, let's read verses um, 14 and 15. Now read it loud. If you can, use New American Standard so our voices can rhyme. One, two, let's go. For the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. That's our first consecration. Who do we live for? Remember that? We live for him who died and rose again on our behalf. We are not living for ourselves. There is nothing we are doing because of ourselves. We are doing everything we are doing simply because he has died for us, so we are now living for him. That is the summary of it. And we must be deliberate about it. He said, no one can serve two masters. So in prayer, you will say to the Lord, I will not serve two masters. That's it. I will not serve two masters. I will serve the Lord alone, and that's the only person I'm going to serve. I will not serve mammon. He said, do not labor for the food that perishes. Because I'm reminding us, you will say it in prayer. Not just believe it. You will say it. You will utter it in prayer. Let's read another portion of the scriptures. Let's just, just to end that one, Philippians chapter 1, quickly. We read the scriptures and we are done. Philippians chapter 1. Now, we are reading, um, which verses now? 21. Now, we are going to back up. Let's just read with Paul. We will read from um, verse 18. From verse 18. Okay, let's start from 19, all right? 19, 1, to let's go. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness, Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. 21. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Read it again. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Look at what he said in that verse 20. No matter what happens to me, I just want Christ to be exalted. Are you seeing that? That is, who do we live for? Answer me. Why do we live? The same word. Who do we live for? Why do we live? What's the purpose of our lives? Christ. That's it. All right. Next one, we said we give him our bodies. Just reminding us what we said last time. Let's read this again. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Remember, read these things yourself. Read the scripture and form prayers from them, from them. And say to the Lord, according to the word he has given, this is what you are going to do with your life. One to let's go. Sorry, from verse 1. One to let's go. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, 
to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Let me quickly say this. If you don't pray the prayer of consecration regularly, you cannot know what the will of God is. Do you get my point? Please don't focus on our head voices. Now I keep on saying that thing. Voices will come if they are necessary. God will speak by voice. You, if you hear the voice and you are not consecrated and the voice is not addressing your consecration, that voice lied to you. I hope you hear what I said. Balaam heard that he should go. But he had not said, I will not prophesy for money. For that reason, that voice of God that said he should go was not an accurate voice, even though it was God that spoke to him. We found out that as he was going, the Lord stopped him on the way and wanted to punish him for going. That lets us know he was not going according to the will of God, but he had a voice. And I said to you, except you are fully consecrated, you cannot know what is right to do as the will of God, no matter what vision you see. I've seen people see clear visions and give it clear misinterpretations. You hear the vision, you know this vision is from God. Then the person interprets this interpretation is from human spirit, from covetousness, from human pride. Except you are fully consecrated, you cannot understand what God is saying. That's why God said to, said to um, Ezekiel, he said, all these people that come and said, come and tell us the will of God. He said, yeah, they put their idols in their hearts. They put right before their faces the stumbling block of their iniquity. They still come and say, God, what do you want us to do? Say, I will punish all such people. You cannot descend the will of God rightly except you deliberately consecrate yourself. Let's read it again. We read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We'll read it one more time. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We are going to read the seven verses where we read the last time. It's so important. These readings are important for keeping ourselves consecrated to the Lord. From verse 1. If you are there, say amen. amen. Okay, one, two, let's go. Finally, then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus. That's just as you receive from us instructions as to how you ought to walk and please God. Just as you actually do walk, that you excel still more. But you know the, what commandments we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That you, have, that you abstain from sexual immorality. That each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God, and that no one transgress and defraud his brother in the matter, because the Lord is the avenger in all things. Just as we also told you before and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. It's very important we understand this. These are consecrations we make deliberately. He said, present your body as what? A living sacrifice. You have to give your body deliberately to the Lord on a daily basis that my body, my members will be instruments of righteousness and not instruments of unrighteousness. I will keep my body in purity. It's something you must deliberately say in prayer. That way, it will give you the strength to resist all the temptations around you. All right? Now, for time's sake, let's quickly... Uh, okay, now we should read this one. It's very important. 
Okay, Romans chapter, no, Psalm 1. Let's read Psalm 1. Psalm number 1, then we'll go to Romans chapter 6. Read a few verses there. This reading is important. Don't ever take it lightly. We are reading three verses. Are you there? You are blessed, amen? Amen. Because you will fulfill the words that we're about to read. As you are reading this, you are talking about yourself. Say it, I'm talking about myself. Now we're in three verses. One, two, let's go. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields his fruit in his season, and his leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. That's your portion in Jesus' name. Amen. In whatever you do, you will prosper in the name of Jesus. Amen. You will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. Amen. And you will yield your fruit in, this, in the right season. Amen. Your leaf will not wither. Amen. I say it again, in whatever you do, you will prosper. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. What have you said by this? You have said to the Lord, I will not walk in the counsel of the wicked. I will not stand in the path of sinners. And I will not sit in the seat of scoffers. Those who mock holy things, I will not join them to laugh at holy things. That's what you have just said. That consecration of your mouth, your members, God will confirm it by the supply of his spirit in the name of Jesus. Let's read Romans chapter 6 quickly. Romans 6. I want us to be quick. Again, remember, the will of God for your life is voluntary and it is what? Compulsory. Let me start the other way. It is compulsory and it is what? Voluntary. What it means is that God has it there. That is what he requires. But he says you have to deliberately by yourself yield to it. And I feel like telling somebody today, don't make it, it's not a matter of convenience. You don't leave the will of God unless it's convenient for you. You pray yourself into it as a matter of priority. If you suspect something is right to do but you can't do it, you go and pray. You don't say hey, it is too hard. You go and pray. Let me say that again. If you think something is right to do, but you don't know how to do because you think it is hard, you think you can't do it, what do you do? You go and pray. That's all. You go and pray. That's how you handle it. Romans chapter 6. We're in from verse 8 to verse 14. One to let's go. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey his lust. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of unrighteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. I just want to state this again. Sin will not be master over you. Sin will not be master over you. You will continue to present your members as instruments of righteousness. Say to God, say, my members... Are instruments of righteousness. I present them daily to you, Lord, as instruments of righteousness. All right, let's quickly remind ourselves of a few other things that we read. 
Jesus said in John chapter 4, he said, My food is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. That is, the work of God will prosper in your hand and you will be satisfied. Amen. He said, My food, everybody say that, My food, my food. is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Sorry, we're counting things we consecrate concerning. Number one, who we live for and what we live for. Number two, give that what we do with our bodies. We lay our bodies down on the altar. And number three, where we are getting our satisfaction from. What makes us happy is not that I have become rich. What makes me happy is not that I become famous. Those are worldly things. You know, they're checking how many likes you have on Facebook. Nonsense. Do you get my point? What is most important is not, it's not that I gave money and I got back, but that I gave money and that money prospered for the cost for which I gave it. That is, my satisfaction comes from doing the will of God and completing it. Now, last of all, let's read this again. Colossians chapter 4. Let's just open that quickly. And that will be our last reading. Colossians chapter 4. We are in verse um, 17. Now, there's somebody's name there. You are going to put your name there in our first reading, okay? And I already put your name. And let's be like, say, I say to, do you get my point? Now, I'm going to say, I say to banking, <laughs> are you getting my point? <laughs> I'll be silent at that point so that I will not drown everybody else's voice. Okay, let me read what it says. It says, say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. Now, you are going to say to yourself, say, I say to, you mention your name, then you read the rest of it. Are you ready? Verse 17, one to let's go. I say to, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. One more time. I say to Banky, take heed to the ministry you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. That's your portion in Jesus' name. Amen. You will take heed to the assignment of God for your life. Amen. No, it means to take heed, pay attention to. That's what it means. Pay attention to. The gift that God gave you in life, you must pay attention to it. Amen. It is important. You must pay attention to it. Now, we consecrate ourselves in these four areas. And let me say it again. These words that we declare to the Lord in prayer all the time is a key to our fulfilling divine destiny. God will open the right doors for us at the right times. Amen. That's the way it works. He will open the right door for you at the right time. Amen. I say it again. Every besetting sin in your life will be broken. Amen. Every addiction is broken. Amen. Boldness to preach the gospel of Jesus, receive it. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. By these declarations, you are delivered from sin. Amen. Bondages of all sorts are broken. Amen. Every, you know, those things they call ancestral curses. All the vestiges are broken in the name of Jesus. Amen. You are separated from iniquity in Jesus' name. Amen. Every Satan that will not want you, they will not let you enter into divine destiny. You are separated from him in the name of Jesus. Amen. You are separated from high in the name of Jesus. Amen. These Satans are human beings. That's what I mean. Satan so will possess somebody. They come and take you away from your ministry. They give you an assignment for your life. Usually they are loved ones, though. But listen to me, the strength to resist them, receive it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Give the Lord thanks again this evening. Say, Lord, I thank you for leading me in the path of righteousness. Lord, I thank you for leading me in the path of righteousness. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Now, before Pastor Kim comes to close the meeting, please, I want to just remind everybody. How many people have downloaded the book? Um, bit dot, the bit link is... Agree 2022. All right? 
There's another one, BitLink, Faith Book 2022. Please just put this, put this in on your, um, that, it's better I agree 2022. I want Nigerians to read it. You know, campaign don't start now. That's our own campaign. All of us must be in agreement. The easy way to be in agreement is to study the same thing. And I'm happy now, I mean, it's been, the link has been out for just a few days, and the downloads are already, by now, over 800 people have downloaded. And some people, they didn't even download. That is, they didn't send the link, they took it and shared. The, so I'm sure as that now, over 1,000 people have the book. But I want at least, my desire is 50,000. It's free, is it not? Yes. Uh, but, and it's small. Some people have not read this. Some people have so lazy when it comes to reading. God has to carry their head there, break it, and push the book inside. There's a small place to put something to somebody's brain through the nose. Shook it inside their nose. But that's not your portion in Jesus' name. Amen. I will not tell, including all you young, young people that think that, I'm, I'm talking to everybody, you must read the book. It's small. Once you have a tab, a device, or your father has a type, tab or any device, you must read it. I didn't mention any name. I'm not even looking at somebody specifically in front of me here. Okay? And some boys at the back over there. All of you must read it. What did I say? Yes. Uh-huh. It's, called, it's, it's a small book on... And I want Nigerians to read this. Campaign has started now. People are now competing on who drew the largest crowd. It doesn't concern us. Does it concern us? It's, that's not our issue. Our issue is that we must all agree concerning what we are praying about. And God will grant us victory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, the Lord is good.